All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Balanced Blues Brothers podcast. Uh, today, it's going to be me, Travis, joined by Jordan and Ola, and we have a special guest today. Uh, Helgi is joining us. Helgi, if you want, go ahead and give yourself an introduction to everybody. Yeah, uh, thanks a lot for the invitation. It's a massive pleasure to be here. Maybe the the circumstances aren't right due to the due to the result and the performance we, we just witnessed, but still, it's a massive pleasure to be here with you guys, to be part of a of a balanced and, and down-to-earth community of people who really love the club and 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 judge uh, matters only on, on basis of, of of Chelsea and not on basis of certain individuals in the club or, or on the hierarchy or, or whatever. So it's a massive pleasure to be here and to have a, a constructive discussion with you. Uh, regarding myself, I'm a, I'm a diehard Chelsea fan. Uh, love the club, but uh, so in, in this kind of circumstances, it feels so, so uh, uh, painful for me to witness that we aren't at our best and hopefully it will change um, as soon as possible. Yeah. And, and also Helgi, thanks for coming on. I know, you know, over the summer, me and you were doing some stuff uh, with, with Chelsea perspective and, you know, really enjoyed that. So glad to get you on uh, here with the podcast and discuss this. And although it is unfortunately a bad loss, sometimes these are actually, um, it gives a lot to discuss. Let's just say that. So uh, uh, not really fun, but at least it's it's a lot to break down. So, all right, let's just get into it. Today, we play a Brighton team that was pretty much created uh, completely by Graham Potter. Um, a lot of the narrative surrounding the match was that Potter will know what to do. He'll beat the team that he created, X, Y, Z. Um, it was a lot of narratives coming into the match, as well as kind of the conversely you know, Brighton were really up for this. Their fans from the from the kickoff were angry. They were wanting to see a big performance and bury us in the mud. And that's exactly what they did, right? We ended up having a complete meltdown in the first half and with two own goals. And even though it was 3-0, it could have easily been 5-0 in that first half. It was a terrible first half. We were ripped apart defensively again and again and again. If Thiago Silva, if he doesn't make two goal line clearances, it is there's two more goals on the board then overall it was just completely hapless from a defensive standpoint in the first half the midfield was pretty much nowhere to be found and the attack just couldn't string anything together and we go into the second half and all all those things improve a little bit in the second half the the same patterns consist right attacking phases don't have enough link up plays it's just a little too predictable there's not a whole lot of final third, but even more worrying is that we're starting to see, in my opinion, and I'll let this is where I'll probably say at this point and then pass it off to you guys. But my my concern is that we're starting to see the problems of such a direct, aggressive based approach and how that leaves us without any control in the midfield. Not only do we not have any control in the midfield, but it leaves us in transitional states of the game more often. And then by leading us in transitional states, it's leaving us more, so much more wide open. We're having to play Cucurella at center back, and that doesn't favor us being in this wide open, you know, run and gun type system. And I think that this is starting to show the cracks that were already there. And what I mean by that is there were definitely cracks. And one thing that points to that is that if you look at teams in the Premier League and the shots that the goalkeeper saves per game, Right now, Chelsea are in 17th place, meaning that we, and that was before today, which I can only imagine it got worse after today in this metric. So we we were 17th in the Premier League for the number of shots our goalkeepers having to save per game. We're also conceding under Graham Potter heading into today. I think it was 10 shots or more on average that we were conceding per game. Um, and just to give you an idea of where we are in that goalkeeper, that shots at goalkeeper saves per game metric, um, I think where we are in that is. The teams below us, so the only teams worse than us are Brentford, Fulham, and Everton. 
And then the team above, teams above us are uh, not, uh, Forest, Bournemouth, and Newcastle. So it's clear that we're not in the best of company within that metric. Um, and additionally, we saw today we give up tons of chances, give up many shots. And then this time we didn't have the, you know, the goalkeeper standing on his head, you know, and we didn't get the overperformance of the ex- ex- expected goals. Um, and really just in general saw a lot of these mistakes being born there. So that's where I'm going to stop. I don't know if you guys see this, see that similar to me, but I think this is a, a match where we're going to see long, potentially longer term trends uh, out of the tactics we've gone with. Yeah, uh, Travis, I totally agree with that. I think, right, so there's two ways to construct a tactic. I mean, there's a lot of ways to construct a, construct a tactic. But, like, with, no team has all perfect players. And so, generally speaking, you build a tactic to either emphasize your best players or bring your worst players to a higher level. And it's very difficult to do both. And what Thomas Tuchel did is he came and he said, well, my – Best players are Antonio Rudiger, Jorginho, Conte, Kovacic, Reese James, and obviously like Silva, et cetera. So he built a system that emphasized those players' strengths. And so under Tuchel, we were behind City. We had the best build-up play in the Premier League for two and a half years. Just and when the only times we didn't is basically when Jorginho didn't play and we got man marked and pressed hard. But when Jorginho plays, that doesn't happen. And we saw that in the first 15 minutes today. Because I think what Potter's doing is he's saying, okay, the problem with this team is they can't create chances, they can't score goals. So I'm going to put another attacker on or two other attack, more attackers on the pitch. And right, the idea there is, well, if you have a lot of attackers, you're going to create chances. And my issue has always been with that. Is that really like, like are attackers that good that we need, we want more of them? on the pitch, right? Because my whole philosophy has always been it's better to not concede a goal than it is to just score a lot of goals and try to win by outscoring the other team. It's more predictable. It's more consistent. And Potter's not... It's funny because Potter did that at Brighton. That was like Potter's whole thing at Brighton was like just lockdown defense. And he hasn't done that here. So I'm just going to end there. I, I have questions about this setup. And even despite the injuries, like we saw in the second half, he switched to a four back and we look better. So I, to me, this is that it has to change. We have to stop playing like this. Yeah. Um, so the, the thing is, I, I agree with both of you guys when, when uh, you mentioned the point regarding the, uh, the, the things needing to change as soon as possible in every aspect. And what I, what I would say in addition of that is, taking into consideration the the shows I've had with Travis during the summer, we have made points regarding what's the issue regarding personnel or the, or, or, or the, so the coaching and how, whether you can improve these players or you have to replace them. And the thing is that uh, the only indirect positive of such a, such a performance and result like today's one is that you don't have, uh, a manager of Tuchel's caliber to put paper over the cracks uh, so week in, week out. Like pe- people want to, to, to focus on, on different games of, or, 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 sporadic, um, or on, on sporadic events to, to prove their points, but taking it from the beginning and until the end of his 18, 19 months here, Tuchel did very well to make these players look better than they were. And as Jordan said, he identified the players where he, with whom he could uh, adapt in a way that he didn't uh, sacrifice short-term for long-term. So this is what I really want to see from a Chelsea manager, first and foremost, is to make sure that he doesn't use the concept of time as an excuse over and over again. We need to, to build on the long-term. No one is denying that. And considering the, the, the failures of, of uh, incomings that we have had after different transfer windows and uh, leading to this mishmash of players that we currently employ, we desperately need something to, to, to make us sustainable in the, long, in the long term. But at the same time, uh, coming to my 
point regarding Potter and why I'm still neutral about him is that when you are chosen, chosen to be a, a manager for the long term, you have to make sure that you uh, have to, to prove something on the short term that you can lead the team on the long term to sustainability, both in terms of, of man management and, and tactics. So if you, if you can't show in the short term um, things that go beyond putting pen to the paper of a five-year contract, then things get exposed very quickly. And coming to the point of his tactical flexibility, because it's being very widely discussed regarding the whether it, it, it's a good thing for him to change quickly, or is it something that it's not sustainable? I think it's a bit of both. But in, in games like against Man City or, or Liverpool or, or teams that can easily punish you inside the first 20 minutes, I don't think that it will ever come to the point of us needing to make uh, system or personnel changes during the game. So what, I, what worries me the most is that I haven't really got the impression from Potter that he's building a, 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 a pattern where he can make some tweaks on it and then uh, without having the need to, to make drastic changes in-game because we all know that it, it, it can't last. So uh, at the moment, I'm still in a position of, of observing the team and, and making sure that uh, things will improve after such a performance. But what worries me the most is that this is a, a, an aftermath of what we have seen in terms of performance in these four of the last five games, except the Salzburg game, when we still had some transition problems, but still uh, I'm, I'm considering it as a positive. And against Villa, uh, Brentford and, and Man United, we could have been in, in a very similar position to the day, to the day very easily. We had uh, against United, for example, we accumulated 0.0 XG uh, from open play compared to their 0.81, which indicates the whole story. So. Uh, things have to improve enough on the short term to make sure that we have the right manager to build and to trust him in the transfer window and to make sure that he is the right guy to to have the boldness that we need regarding the the current personnel rather than um, rather than somebody who is just there to who has signed for a long term contract just for the sake of it. So at the moment there have been some positives, but not consistent enough to say that uh, we have to, to trust the project even after this kind of uh, performances and results like the days one we've got ripped apart and we're comprehensively beaten. Yeah, and I think one thing I want to highlight there with what you're saying is, you know, we have this, we, we, we show, and I, that's what I was getting at as well, and kind of you're saying a similar thing there is that we have this kind of propensity right now under Potter to show moments of this, right? And we, in the past, were getting away with it a bit more um, and we were scoring to kind of cover up the, the mistakes. And But I, I understand also what you're saying, too, is there needs to be this short-term base to give us a, a foundation to, to think that we can have this long-term success. Um, however, with us only being 10 games in charge with Potter, um, right, we're still indefinitely the short-term phase. And with the World Cup coming up, I think that he's still trying to shuffle the cards, figure things out, and really using a lot of this time to experiment. The, the, the problem is, is that that time to experiment is really, really starting to run thin because you look at our next three matches and how difficult they are. So, Ola, what do you kind of think of this dynamic that we see right now after after 10 games with Graham Potter? Um, and how does the context of today's match define, if at all, the short term under him? Yeah, I mentioned the pattern I've noticed is we've allowed in Potter's first game in charge, first Premier League game in charge was Crystal Palace, we won. The second game, we won and kept a clean sheet against Aston Villa. The game after that, it was Brentford. We also kept a clean sheet. But in from Aston Villa to Manchester United, we've allowed seven, five, six, and six shots on target. And that's a lot. It's a lot. And the reason why I am emphasizing shots on target is your opponents can take long shots on target. But most of the time, a shot on target will come from a shot taken from a very good position. It doesn't necessarily have to be a big chance, but it was taken from a good position because there's, uh, there are so many factors that if you take a shot from outside the box, it likely would not get to the keeper. It would just sail over the bar or something. But what I'm getting at is Kepa was Oliver Kahn. He was, he was Peter Cech for momentarily there. 
And I'm, I pointed out that we can't allow, we can't afford to keep letting shots pass us this way and expect us to continue to keep clean sheets. Because we talked about the clean sheets in the first three, four games. And it was, in the Champions League, we were not really allowing that many chances. But in the Premier League, we were. And, and Kepa just refused to let any shot by him. But I knew that if we continue like this, we, we'll get to somewhere like, like now. Because we've been this bad defensively for quite a while. It's not just today. We've been this bad defensively. But today's one was, was, was worse because Thiago Silva, who is normally our most reliable centre-back, which, ironically, he still was today. Ironically, he still was today. But he, when, when Thiago Silva makes that amount of errors in the opening five minutes, I mean, we had to go line clearances in the, in the first five minutes. First five minutes, they, they took shots at our goal and our goalkeeper wasn't there. I mean, Kepa was poor, that goes without saying. But a goalkeeper, you cannot rely on your goalkeeper to keep you in games. How long are we going to do that? But whether this game is indicative of something, I think it's indicative that we, we, we are missing something. And unfortunately, this thing I'm about to say may not land well with many people, but I've said it for quite a while. Thiago Silva is guessing on in age. And he's a very intelligent player. You see it when he plays. It's obvious. He uses his, his intelligence to outsmart his opponent. But he's 38 years old now. And he's not as sharp as he used to be. He was never actually fast. Now he's even slower. And if Thiago Silva is our best centre-back, there is a big problem. It, it says nothing about Thiago Silva and says everything about Chelsea as a club. Because we had Antonio Rudiger. I didn't think he was, uh, I didn't think he was a, a top-five centre-back in the world. But for the role he played for us, it was extremely important to us. And he, he, he played a key role for us. And we let him go for free. Christensen, the same thing. Let him go for free. I mean, a lot of jokes are made about Christensen, but now it, 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 it's clear that it's not easy to get centre-backs in the market. And now we need centre-backs. We've had to pay $75 million for a player that we all knew was injury-prone, and now he's injured for a long time. So that's, 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 uh, that's, two center, that's a centre-back that we bought, $75 million we spent, that we can't use. Corella is not playing at centre-back. And I would have said it's out of necessity if he wasn't playing at centre-back before we started having needs there. So it is... I understand Potter is trying to pass his, met- his message across, but I don't think we have the players to play this way. Because once a team gets hold of the ball in, in the midfield, we're, we're in trouble. We saw it today. We saw it against Salzburg. They just run through us. They pass the ball past. Chaloba is, is very adventurous. So he has to, to start recovering. And Paolo Maldini said, if I have to make a tackle, I've, I've already made a mistake. Putting our centre-backs in situations where they have to be chasing the game. They have to... The, 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 the forward is already behind them and they have to chase back. That's a problem. And if you want to say it's, it's defensive errors... Well, if that is happening every game, that's just been an individual problem. That becomes a manager problem. Obviously, I'm not saying Potter should be sacked or that Potter is, is causing all this. But at what point does Potter look at this team and realize this system we're trying to play, we're giving up too many chances, we're open. Yes, Kepa was running out to clear the ball a lot, but today... Brighton didn't give Kepa that many chances to run out. And they troubled us. And they got the, the, the ball at us. They peppered our goal. And they, they scored quite a number of goals. So it's, for me, it's when we come up against a competent team, we struggle. And that's a problem. Because if we're trying to close any form of a gap, right now we have, we're, we're trying to close the gap, the gap to Arsenal. Right now we're trying to close the gap to Arsenal. City is far away from us. We can't catch City anytime soon because we don't have the, the player profile to play the way City plays. I don't think that's what we're trying to do. Even if it is the club system we're trying to play, we also don't have the players for that. We were mentioning today before the pod about our pressing. Our pressing wasn't that great. And when you want to play, when you want to play the kind of, of 
of game where you win the ball high up the pitch and create chances from there, you have to be intelligent in the way you press. We were all over the place, all over the pitch. And it can't continue that way. This is Brighton. And Brighton, this is their first win under the new manager. When we go up against Newcastle, Newcastle put us to the sword. When we go up against Arsenal, same thing is going to happen. We're not creating as many chances as we should be, even when we get the space. We're not, we're, we're giving up high quality chances. If this continues, Brighton is going to look like a good game in perspective. So it's, it's, it's indicative in that from the second Premier League game we played, we've been struggling. And Kepa has been saving us. I said we're Kepa, is Balaga FC. We are. And the problem with being a one-man FC team is when that player that has been propping you up has a bad game, which he inevitably will, everyone would be exposed. So I think I think Potter has to, to decide how he wants to go forward from here. If he wants to insist on playing this way, maybe get different players in. He has a big squad. That's one of the advantages you have as a Chelsea manager. They are not uh, Barcelona or Real Madrid-level players, but you have a lot of options. There are a lot of things you can do with them. Tuko decided to, to show up the defense and sacrifice the attack. I said several times that why that wasn't ideal, it was it was a choice between two 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 poisons. And the the attack inevitably suffered for it, but we're better defensively. Now we're bad offensively and defensively. It's something that Potter needs to fix because we 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 have to get results to build on it. We can't build on nothing. So this it sounds like I'm um I'm being too critical because this is our first loss under the new manager. But when you allow four big chances and you don't consider any goal, you are lucky. You weren't good, you are lucky. So that's just that's just what I have to say. That we are too open and it's it's not easy to balance defense and attack. That's that much is obvious. But Potter has to decide how he wants to go forward. Because if we do this against a team that is much better than Brighton, they'll put us to the sword and it's going to be bad. So we've all kind of given reasons now why this was a, a poor performance and we were second best, did not play well, ripped apart. All these other kind of constant themes. We've even talked about the lack of control in midfield and we've talked about the lack of chance creation. Um, I'm going to just, what I want to do is just Potter's, you know, quotes just came out um, from the uh, post-match presser. So I want to do is read some of those and then pass it off to, to Jordan. Um, and then from there, Helgi kind of just pick up on some on that discussion. What I want you guys, I want us to analyze what he's saying, or at least try to make our opinion of what he's saying. So he said that regarding Chelsea, they played well. The atmosphere was really intense and we didn't necessarily match the level of intensity from the start. There were a couple of errors from us. And once you're down on the scoreline, it's more difficult. We had some opportunities ourselves to attack and the keeper made some good saves, but in the end it was probably a bit too open and bright and more dangerous. So it was a difficult first half for us. He thought that we responded well in the second half and at the, at the score line being three to one, the game was maybe in the balance a little bit. We were pushing and throwing players on, but in the end Brighton deserved their victory and we have to say congratulations to them. Um, and he said, we changed a little bit at halftime and adjusted a bit better that's something that I've got to do better because we couldn't deal with the situation in the first half. Having said that, we won the ball back off them as well uh, and created our own opportunities. But when the scoreline goes against you, it feels like it's worse than it is. Brighton were better at what they did, and we have to take that as a lesson, even though it's a painful, painful lesson for us. Um, so that's where I, I'll leave it there, Jordan. What do you make of those comments? Because to me, it seems like he's tiptoeing around some criticalness, but yet still trying to act like everything's good. I mean, like, I'm going to be honest. He, and I don't think this is a bad thing. Potter seems like the type of guy that wants to avoid having this squad get their heads down. So I think he is saying they were better, but like, he's not an idiot. Potter's a really smart guy. He, understands the sport and i think potter like he did make a mistake right like it, potter is historically a fairly reactive manager which works really well if you're managing Brighton, right because that you have a different game plan every week and you're going to use that game plan to attack your opponent and you have a full week to make it at chelsea we play twice a week and we'll continue to play twice a week for more or less the remainder of the year 
he does not have that time to continue to implement reactive strategies. And I know this sucks to hear, right? But he doesn't. And Ola, to a point you were making, our underlying stats under Tuchel showed we were about the seventh or eighth best team. If you just look at the underlying stats under Potter, like, and I mean everything from XG to actually allowed to chances created to field tilt, like, right, where are we possessing the ball? We look like we're the 12th to 13th best team in the Premier League. And the reason why I said under Tuchel those numbers were not good is because we had an entirely new squad, right? Tuchel's entire thing, Ola, to your point about the pressing. Tuchel pressed high and we pressed really intensely, but it wasn't for the same reasons Liverpool do it, right? Liverpool do that to get counters. We were doing that to prevent counters. And to do that, you need your two, in a back three system, those two wide center backs need to press like hell. And, and Rudiger, for example, could do that and then have the recovery pace to get back. Kukure doesn't, Chalba doesn't. Like they're just, and I think for Chalba, it may be more of just a general positioning thing because he's young and maybe same for Kukurea because he does, he's not a center back, but we don't have that anymore. And ultimately, I think there needs to be a conversation that is it right? At what point is it now? Is, do we stop pressing really high? And everybody's like, oh, Georgie or Georgina, sorry. Jose Mourinho was a very reactive manager. That's a lie. We all watch Mourinho. We watch Mourinho, not just at Chelsea, we watch from everywhere. Mourinho has a system that he builds to start the season. Very rarely throughout the course of the season, he's been criticized for this. Does he deviate that from that system? But within that system, he does build counters to his opponents. And Potter just, like, I think Potter is managing like he managed Brighton, which is fine. That, that I, You can't expect him to come in at Chelsea and be able to do what Tuchel did. And I'm not saying I don't think we should have fired I mean, I don't think we should have fired Tuchel. But I, I think Graham Potter has potential to be that good of a manager. But, I mean, at what point, right? What if, look at the teams that are above us right now. Arsenal, Man City, Newcastle's unreal this year. Tottenham haven't been great, but they're still, they're a good squad. And I think when Kulosevsky really gets healthy again, they're going to be doing really well. Brighton, right? Like, there are in that Liverpool is going to turn this around eventually. It's too good of a team. Manchester United have looked really good the last few weeks. It, it, we're, I mean, I got to go after this, but and I, I will listen to the rest of it. And Helgi, thank you so much for joining. But I, I think that we have a long way to go. I think Arsenal and Newcastle are going to be brutal. Uh, and we're going to have to play Jorginho. We have no substitute. There's not one guy on this team that can control the ball and the tempo like Jorginho. And that's a big issue. I think that played a role today, especially in the first 15, 20 minutes. Uh, so he's going to have to play those two games. And we're going to need to pray because beating this Chelsea squad, the same recipe when, it's always been, right? Man mark, press high encounter and that's what it's been that's what it will continue to be um it's, so it's been that, this way I'm for gonna... years yep yeah oh it was this way under sorry yeah right remember that so, like everybody hated sorry because he built this like really boring like oh. technically it was entirely designed to just not give the ball up because the second we gave the ball up Mine, uh... we were screwed so um yeah, I, I agree with uh with with Ola in particular and also with with Jordan's assessment regarding the situation. So, uh, yeah, we, the, the personal changes helped. So contributed in the, in the, 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 the change of dynamics in our play quite a lot and especially the defensive ones. And I will use Ola's point to, to, to prove my, my, my long-term point again, regarding the, 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 the myth that exists of many people who consider Tuchel as a defensive manager and, I have never understood such such a thing. Uh, not only based on his 19 months at us, but also previously in his career, he's always intended to create high-pressing teams. And as Michael Cox puts it very well at zonal marking, it is a very good mixture of Barcelona's football in the 
2008-2012 period and Germans typical gegenpressing at what we saw uh, under Tuchel Sears at Mainz and Dortmund and he tried to implement it here as well. And what we, I will always regret is the fact that whether if, if he had competent people to work with in terms of the expertise of, of, of getting the right profiles in and avoiding us this kind of exhausting discussion of blaming the manager for the quality of the signings, which isn't right in itself because the manager, it goes beyond the competence of the manager. Remember, Jurgen Klopp nearly made Liverpool by Julian Brandt and Mario Götz, and it was Michael Edwards who prevented him from doing so and brought him uh, Sadio Mane and Mohamed Salah, who now who have been uh, key players in, in Klopp's success at Liverpool. So you can't really judge a manager for, for uh, the quality of the signings that, that, that come in, at least in my opinion. And also regarding what uh, Tuchel chose to make with our team is that he uh, tried to find a balance between what we already had, which is uh, a challenge in itself, we, I have discussed a Chelsea perspective with Travis regarding this situation, and Travis back then put it very well, that it's very difficult to see us playing under the current personnel with a back four for two mm -hmm. simple reasons, that we don't have a defensive midfielder in the, in the so most natural sense of the world. So somebody who can both destroy and build from deep on one side. And the second reason is that we really lack natural wingers. So we, Tuchel made a very good compromise to help us have width by using Chilwell and Reese as, as wingbacks the majority of the time. And, and now again, we're using those wingbacks very high up the field almost as auxiliary wing. wingers almost? Yeah. I mean... Yeah, but it, it, it completely disrupts the balance of the team. So that's, uh, that's where I, I, I praise Tuchel the most because he made it possible that we... Uh, in normal circumstances, we played good football, productive football, competitive football, and at the same time, uh, at, at the same time, he made some of our players look better than they actually are, mm -hmm. despite the deficiencies we we had, both in terms of the the profiles and the recruitment. Because you can see that our signings over the years have been reactive. We haven't signed proactively. Lukaku was uh, the, the best example of a, of a reactive signing. And many others have been this way. So he managed to find a balance that I want Potter to do. So it's, it's not, a, it, it's not a, an, uh, a thing that you can, you, you can, uh, you can uh, exclude, you can vindicate yourself with just by the intent of playing more attacking than, than the, your predecessor. When it, it uh, restricts the defensive compactness of the team and that's where my issue is and the other aspect of, of the, another thing that worries me is that Potter used more or less the same logic uh, that he, he, he used before the Salzburg game but before Salzburg it was justified because from a tactical point of view they are, play uh, very centrally with their diamond 4-4-2 system so they practically sacrifice the width for more, uh, more compactness through the center. While Brighton, as, as you said, uh, they, they ripped us apart from the, from the wings today. They had, they, they had the, the ability to, to exploit our weak points and make sure that they, they so got, the, got the better of us in terms of finishing. And the, this is what I, I, I want to see. I want Potter to, to make sure that he, he, he can't uh, give himself infinite amount of time just due to, to uh, implementing something that he has done before at, at his previous clubs. Of course, every manager has his ideas and this discussion of trying to compare Tuchel with Potter uh, is, is a never-ending one from a, from a certain point of view. But still, the... Uh, again, I, I want to, to see a manager that proves to us that uh, in, the, in the short term, he is the right one to trust. Right one to trust that he can, can find a balance between, between the, the, the schedule 
you can't exclude, exclude yourself with a schedule uh, every, every time. And on top of all, what really doesn't make sense to me is that after we win games, people praise Potter for his tactical, his, his, uh, his mm-hmm. flexibility in rotation. So they say that he is using his players very well. He's making the changes very well. He is trying to shuffle the team in terms of uh, care, taking care of players' fitness very well. So Reese situation, a recent Fafana situations aside. And then when we lose the game, such we, we did today, people say that uh, this is a situation that can happen because the players are fatigued, which for me is a typical alibi. Like you can't, you can't excuse today's performance to, uh, based on, on the argument of fatigue and saying after Salzburg, for example, that Porter has rotated the squad very well and Tuchel was too stubborn in his, in his, in his selection. So these things don't match. And uh, so I, I want to see uh, a manager who, who will prove us that he is the right guy to, to lead us forward and who should be the right one to, to sign players for. At, 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 at the moment, I am in a neutral position. And uh, as Travis may, may know now, because we have been in stream before, and, and uh, I, I have always hated the culture of changing managers at us. It's normal, this, but it, it, it can't just be in theory. So the manager specifically has to prove that he's the guy that, that we need. And especially in the current circumstances that he has replaced the manager that made, sent a group of players to the top of the world, didn't choose to find excuses, found the club in a, in a position that was very, uh, very, very restrictive in the sense that we were in mid-table in, in the end of January, played Atletico Madrid at the top form just two weeks later when Tuchel came in. So Porter has to show that those early signs, which for me haven't come yet in terms of cohesion, in terms of tactical uh, sharpness, which I, I haven't found yet. We are technically outclassed against Man United, especially before Kova came on. Mm-hmm. We could have had the same game as today if it wasn't for Kepa against Villa. Against Brentford, okay, tough game, and that draw could have been justified if we had had uh, positive performances after it, considering it was a derby and Brentford are physical enough and good enough at home. And, and they remind me a bit of uh, a modern version of Bolton of Sam Allardyce in the, in the mid-20s. So the, the, that's the, the thing that... But the, the reality is that there are two games after that Brentford game that we, in the Premier League, that we have been outclassed. So this has to change immediately. And the, the run of games after it indicates that it becomes even, an even more necessity than, than in principle because we play Arsenal and, and Newcastle. So, and Man City in the League Cup. So the, the, the situation is that the, the all in all, the, tonight's game doesn't, um, is, is a, a case of making me have a radical perspective. So saying that, going to the extreme and saying Potter is definitely the right one for us. But I'm pessimistic regarding what can be further done with the current players. So it would be nice to, to have a manager to trust at last. So you can see the end of the tunnel by saying, okay, these players can be, can't be improved anymore. But at least we have a coach who shows signs that if he gets his players, he will uh, bring us sustainability at one point or another. And as it stands, it hasn't come yet. So, yeah, the, the only thing I can say is that I'm, I'm still in that backseat pro, uh, so position and, and will uh, we'll take my time to, to watch and see. Yeah, I think one thing, you know, you're kind of highlighting differences, similarities and differences between Thomas Tuchel and how he set this team up and the players specifically roles, things like that. Um, we see Potter doing a lot of the same, but the tactics are different where it's a more direct, free-flowing, um, honestly aggressive style. And what I mean by that aggressive, it just seems that we are much more willing to put the ball straight towards the goal as opposed to before where we moved it around a lot uh, uh, to, to try to create chances. But what I'm getting at here is we saw that Potter, with some of his changes tactically, has produced success with a nine-game unbeaten run. But I think today is going to show more of what can happen um, because in that nine-game unbeaten run, a lot of the underlying metrics were very poor and we were overperforming. Today, all of that comes home and we see what happens when when 
we don't overperform the metrics and we do what we've been doing, which is probably a bit of a tactical flaw in the overall setup. I think specifically the midfield today was incredibly weak, but the back line has been weak for quite some time and it's just overperformed because of some incredible goalkeeping play. So Ola, kind of going with what Helgi was saying there with, you know, what, what Tuchel did and then what Potter has done. And then what we need to see is a little bit more sustainability because today is definitely a big red blip on the radar um, for how we play under Graham Potter with this setup. So I guess what I'm asking is how do you think, if at all, uh, Potter is going to try to blend his tactics further down the road to maybe look like Tomas Tuchel's or do we end up, do you think that we end up seeing kind of a hybrid squad in terms of tactics and formations between Tuchel and Potter by the end of the, let's say, post-World Cup. I mean, is that something that you think is going to happen, or do you think Potter is just going to continue to refine this very direct attacking approach? I'm not really sure. I I don't know Potter as a manager, but it depends. That's not something I can answer now, because some managers feel they know what they're doing is right, and they'll continue to do it until it works. Gadella is one of them. He says if plan A doesn't work, do plan A better. But I don't think Potter is in that situation to make that call because if you believe that what we're doing is 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 the right thing, then he won't change it. I don't think that what we're doing is the right thing because for one, I think one of what them one one of the things Potter would do is is pick the games to rest Jorginho more carefully. I don't think Jorginho will get that much rest now. I think the the, the three at the back we're trying to do is it's a bit problematic because our our full our our wide center back one of them is a full back who is very aggressive chaloba is a center back who is quite aggressive so most of the time it's silver really actually when when we're in transition and we just lose the ball and and, and they're countering us it's it's just silver and then we have wing backs who are supposed to help the back the back three, who are actual wingers expected to do winger things and create chances and, and attack. So I don't know how Potter can solve that considering the injuries that we have now, which is why we needed a, a resilience backup very obviously. It was obvious in the transfer market that we needed a backup to resilience and we didn't get one. I don't know what we, we thought was going to happen. We we thought we were going to play as Filipeta as as backup, I have no idea. But Tuku started the thing of of Lotosik as as at um, right wing back, and it seemed like Potter was going to continue that. Now it is Pulisic and Sterling, and I've said before that I understand he is not really putting Sterling to to play as a wing back per se, but he's not playing as a left winger either, and the, the place where he's playing. He's, he's not really in a position to affect the team in a good way. All he can do for the team is, is negative because he will be put in, in situations to defend because he is playing wing back. And he can't, he, he can't do that much of defending because he's never really done that much of defending. He's an attacker. An attacker should not be expected to play wing back. But I think if Potter is sure that what he's doing is the right thing, he might need to make for instance our idea of playing in such a way that we need Kepa to run out of his goal every six seven minutes to clear a ball I mean I saw it several times today which that may be the reason why Kepa plays but if Kepa is injured now we might have to not do that because as much as we want to play the super keeper thing Thiago Silva is 38 and at some point, what happened today will happen in games where things just realize actually the footage between myself and their goalkeeper. I just have to make the footage between myself and Thiago Silva. And I, and I like, like my chances. The person likely will need to worry that much about Chaloba. Chaloba will be high up and he'll be recovering, which he can. Kukurela probably can recover too. But he has to rain he has to reel it in a little because this all out attack thing that we're doing with two 
wingers as wing backs, and then three forwards, and then Kovacic and Lovtosic, who are both box to box midfielders. So nobody actually can sit and control. And the, the idea of sitting in a in in a, in a midfield too is extremely important because everyone can be a box to box. Everyone can be running forward to to carry the ball and dribble and and create chances. Someone has to do the Jorginho role. I get the point that Jorginho is not a destroyer in the actual sense of the word. As far as I'm concerned, there are many things he brings to the team and there are a few things he doesn't. And the things he brings definitely offset the things he doesn't. Because look at today, we had no control in the midfield whatsoever. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying if Jorginho had played, we wouldn't have lost. That's not what I'm saying. But we're so out of control in the middle of the park that Jorginho would have helped at least. And that is one of the things that took, uh, I said to Potter needs to, needs to decide because if you do, let's do plan A better. That's fine. It is the manager, but we can only get to where we are going if we make progress. And we can only make progress if we get results. And with the centre-back makeup we have, Chaloba is 22. Kukurela is a, is, is a full-back or a wing-back. Silva is, you know, he's intelligent, he's magnificent, but he's 38. Ronaldo is younger than that, and Ronaldo is looking, you know. So we can't continue like this. We can't keep playing this as if we have Van Dijk in our, in our back line. Van Dijk was strong, tall, fast, aerial, those intelligent, everything. Thiago Silva is some of those things. I mean... He made two goal line clearances that were his own doing. It was his fault that we actually got into that situation in the first place. But he made the goal line clearances. He blocked five shots. But the rest of the centre-backs were, were, were doing almost nothing. So as much as Thiago Silva was a problem, he tried to be the solution some of the time. The rest of the centre-backs just weren't there. So he has to make sure that we're slightly more compact. I'm not saying the Anthony Conte, saying do what to go did and, and only deploy three three forwards. But there are, it's not this or be extremely defensive. There are a lot of in-betweens and that's why I know he's intelligent because he knows how to find a compromise where we're not as open as we are. Because considering an average of 6.5 shots a game doesn't make any sense as Chelsea. I understand what we're transitioning from whatever to whatever. But it doesn't make any sense at all. So I think the first thing Potter needs to do is to make sure that we're not as open as we are because we don't have the centre-backs to be this open. Um, totally agree with, with all this assessment regarding the, the, the defenders we, we have and also the defensive players as a whole. And specifically, I'm very intrigued to, to see his point on Jorginho because it has become... A, a topic that has um, has divided the fan base, especially the online fan base, in in a way that I I disagree with, because you know Jorginho has his vulnerabilities, and we can't deny that. Like he's he isn't the the, the perfect guy you need, and then you will uh, say that you you can you can stick by him all the time, and then expect many things to happen just as City have Rodri uh, or, or, or Liverpool have had Henderson in over the years. Like it's, it's a case of us needing to find somebody that can both be reliable on defensive transitions and at the same time be very good in terms of progressing the play and control and helping us dictate the play in, in, in small areas. So Jorginho does a second at a, at a very good level at his best. He's good on the ball, and as you mentioned, are you, um, if you if you remember, it was a Club World Cup semi-final against Aguilal, and Jorginho was subbed off at halftime due to an injury, and we, uh, we we lost the composure in the midfield, and Kepa helped us that day, otherwise it would have turned very ugly. It was a Musamarega striker that uh, they signed from, from Porto, if I'm not wrong, that had two good chances, and it one of the key reasons why we struggled in that semi-final it was because Jorginho was subbed off at halftime. And if I'm not wrong against Villa, uh, Jorginho was, didn't start the game. And when he came on, we got a sense of calmness. 
because uh, Kovacic and Ruben were working out well together and it happened today as well. So yeah, I'm with Ola when he says that it's not a guarantee, it's not a black and white situation by saying that if Jorginho was on, we would have won the game today, but he doesn't fall for me into that category of players that you can uh, you, you you can sell as 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 easy as as some people make it out to be. I personally uh, so get rid of him if we can use this concept, even only if we sign a player that can be both able to to build from deep and destroy his opponent, uh, opponents move consistently. Without having such a player, Jorginho has to play for us uh, be, because we can't be reliant on the other profiles. Kante's injuries doesn't help as well. So, uh, so I think by this viewpoint, it is a case of, of us having other players to, to be worried about most more than Jorginho. I don't want to over-defend him, but at the same time, I feel that some of the, the abuse and the, or, or let's say the dislike regarding him is, is exaggerated. And uh, what I would focus my worry the most, because all I focus on the defensive aspect, and I agree with the, with the elaboration, right? I would focus on the, our attacking issues. Because mm. after Tuchel was sacked, many people said that I was angry by the situation, that I um, didn't see the things as clearly as I would want to see in normal circumstances. But Tuchel sacking for me wasn't an isolated thing. Like, it wasn't just a riddance of a manager, as it can casually happen in modern football. But it, it indicates things that go beyond just the decision. And one of them is... Will Potter have the boldness that we want to see when it comes to making a decision for these attackers? Because to be very honest with you, I don't feel that these attackers can be improved even. If, you, if we keep the Chelsea standards in mind, uh, you, you can see that they have their own deficiencies. You can see that they can't even do the basics in many, in, in, in many of the games. And although different fans like players individually, and I do as well, I like the, those who, who I do, but the thing is that when it comes to, to 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 key games, key moments, and wanting consistency, no one really provides it. It's it's a and they can't use the the, the adaptation card anymore. For example, Kai is mm -hmm. in the in the third season for the club. He isn't adapting anymore. You know, and he he has had a very negative uh, bunch of performances since. The, the first game of, of preseason, except some moments here and there, he hasn't been able to, to fulfill, both in terms of intensity, both in terms of his body language has been very, very poor, very, very underwhelming. Even when he came and had COVID and had his adaptation problems, he wasn't that, that, that uh, passive or, or that unable to, to input his aggressiveness in the right way, as he has done now. I, Mount has been has been a, a, a disappointing in, in, in many cases as well. Like I liked him until the, the start of the turn of the year. But since then, he has been in regress. People don't want to admit it, but it's, it's something that we, we actually see, even in terms of ball progression, joining the attack. His direct contributions haven't been in the right level as well. So, uh, and, and also if, when it comes to Pulisic, because there's an argument that uh, the, the, some kind of players haven't been preferred by Tuchel before, so uh, uh, he, now they are having their chance. It's like Pulisic is having his chance. Ziyech hasn't had it, but still, I don't think he's at a stage that we can he can improve even more. But regarding Pulisic, we saw today his close control hasn't been good enough um, mm -hmm. even since the, the, the project restart. Like, I can't even remember it have it have it has been two years after project restart and yeah. he hasn't shown glimpses of that shape yet. So how can we use a young player or adaptation card now when we they can't even do the the basics for most of the games and even if they do they can't keep it up. And eventually I lead to the point that will Potter be bold with them. Not bold in terms of being a dictator in the sense of being the manager and imposing an old-fashioned authority that can, 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 can be uh, uh, 
can, can be a nail in the coffin for him in a, in a certain future. But to be authoritative on a professional basis and by judging the circumstances where he is, in this environment, you have to win. It's as sim simple as that. So you have to, 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 to judge rationally. You can't be, get carried away by, by consumed cliches over one individual or another. You have to think on Chelsea basis and on Chelsea standards and get players that aren't necessarily signings that would fill the, the front pages of the papers the next day, but players that can be influential in the system. For example, we saw Trosa today. He's a player I want us to sign. Like he, he at the very worst, he is riskless because his contract ends in next summer. So he, he wouldn't be the talismanic kind of signing that many people want to see. He's not a fancy name. Uh, a, a player that would be signed expensively he wouldn't be coming from a from a, a club that 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 um, you know is of, of Milan prestige or or, or whatever whatever like because I, I had the how in mind when I made the Milan reference but the, he's a player that can be very influential in our system our attackers consistently don't have the directness that he has. Mm -hmm. His level of composure at the first goal today is very admiring. The way he turned Kepa around and he finished it, it, it was very good to see from a neutral perspective. We don't have players that can do it consistently. He does it at Brighton. So, you know, we, you need to have a manager and a board which aligns in the best interests of the club, not by, uh, let's say, putting the authority in a way that can make the team paralyze in the long term. But in the way that, you know, you have to make sure that I don't care about your past if you can't do it in the present anymore. So it's, it's as simple. And in this way, you have to, to focus on that. So that's what I, I really doubt at this point regarding Potter. Will he be the manager that will transform us in terms of the demands that we will have regarding the market and the, and the tactical sharpness that we will see from him? So... If, if he wants to fall, I know he wants to be diplomatic with, the with this group of players, but I don't think this is a group of players that you should care a lot uh, when it comes to the approach with them uh, specifically. Like, you have to treat your players as human beings. That's, that's a must. But at the same time, you have to make sure that uh, this doesn't, uh, this isn't done at the expense of the team, at its well-being and at its standards. So, uh, on this basis, I want to see, as Ola said, a, dis, uh, a restructure in the defense in a way that Thiago Silva isn't overloaded with responsibility mm -hmm. and an attacking restructure in a way that we have players who we can rely on on Chelsea level, simple as that. And I don't, and so uh, leaving all the sentiments aside and listening only to the brain, I don't think that we have a single attacker at the club at the moment which is the equivalent of Rhys James in defense. If we get to this, that point, then we may have a different discussion. So that's why I'm feeling pessimistic regarding these kind of things that how, what it means changing because we have had this discussion over and over again after this kind of performances. And we are seeing that it, it can't change. It didn't change under Tuchel. And how I'm supposed to believe that will change now after what we have seen today and how, what the underlying metrics of Potter's first games in charge in decade. So, yeah, it's 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 all a thing that we have to keep observing. But the 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 concern is there, and we hope that we will address the things in the in the best possible way. And in particular, I hope that the 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 changes in the hierarchy hierarchy will will positively positively influence um, if so affect us uh, in in the short and long term. So let's wait and see. But as it stands, I'm, I'm disappointed with the majority of the personnel we currently have in the team. Well, and I, I think to build on what you're saying, there's a good, there's something like very poignant with what you were saying in there with it came to the fact you're talking about like over-reliance on Thiago Silva, attackers that don't really fit the mold, the lack of a Jorginho replacement or, or someone, not even a replacement, but just somebody that can play that role. We don't have that besides him and our team. So I think what you're getting at, and you're also talking about how, you know, Potter's going to have to be bold in some ways and make decisions that, that affect outcomes. I think that we need to be realistic. There's a World Cup coming up. It's a huge chance for us to hit the reset button. 
And the January transfer window could be much more active uh, this time around than it has in past seasons. And I think that's because of the World Cup, it's going to become more active. There's going to be players that really impress, people are going to overspend, so on and so forth, because they want to win now. Um, where I think that we're at is we have a chance to move on some of these players that we talk about always needing patience for, whether this is in January or in June of next year. I think that's going to happen one way or another. So I think you're right to point out there are attackers that don't work, and Tuchel said the same thing. And I think that those guys are going to get moved out, and maybe that gives us a chance to bring players in. But and one thing I wanted to really point out with what you said was that the fact of, you know, we we probably need to like players like Trossard, right? Uh, that was something that you discussed. And I think that if you look at historically, a lot of our really key signings that hit are not the ones that we go out and spend giant sums of money on. For example, as Pilaqueta has been nothing but a huge success and was not a very big transfer fee. Victor Moses had an incredible peak at Chelsea and was not a very big transfer fee. And Golo Kante has been incredible, did not have a massive transfer fee. Gary Cahill, a captain for the club, cost almost nothing and was a starting center back for half a decade for us and won every single trophy at the club. Yeah, the Silva came on a free. Exactly. Silva's on a free. Mindy didn't cost a whole lot of money. And then you compare a lot of those positional players that it didn't cost a lot of money to their counterpart to their counterparts in the team that did cost a ton of money. And it's obvious that the value, you know, the, the, the value in the players. So dollars per performance, you know, for good performance, that's what you want to look at and sum it up that way. It's the value is vastly favoring our signings that aren't big money, big names. And that's really how we've done a lot of our business in the past. You know, Drogba was not this in, there's a lot of controversy surrounding the Drogba move at the time, right? I mean, we we, we just didn't go out and blow, I mean, we did in some ways initially in the Abramovich era, but kind of after that first wave of the Abramovich era, it started to, it started to change where our best signings, like Juan Mata was not this crazy big money signing. And he put up some of the best numbers we're probably ever going to see across a two-year span of, of our rest of our time as a Chelsea fan. I don't know if any of those goal assists records in one season will be matched by anybody going forward so my point being that there's a lot of ways that we can win and there's a lot of things that I think that we're going to have to do and we've talked about how do we get maybe a blend of Tuchel and Potter to get the because that was the problem with Tuchel at the end right it looked very stale in the offensive third um, or the attacking third and but it still looked all right you know in other in other ways but in Potter it seems yeah we can maybe be more direct and get more chances but we're giving up a lot more so we need to have a balance that's going to need to be struck and that's where i think what's going to be interesting is where do we go in the recruitment market going forward with him who do we get rid of and what tactical changes do we make with those two ideas in mind and i think you guys sum that up very well and i think that's where we're at i think Potter is probably Getting, you know, 10 matches in, I think he's getting closer to realizing who is going to fit and who is not going to fit. He's getting closer. We're not there yet, but he's getting closer. So it'll be very interesting. I think, Helgi, and you're alluding to those things. I think that if we're smart, we won't go after these giant name, giant money signings. I think what we'll do is we'll get rid of some of these guys, bring in lesser players. And when I say lesser players, I mean lesser name or lesser transfer fee or both, probably both. And one thing that's key about that is when you have that dynamic, you don't have guys arriving with this massive ego and expectation to play every minute, every game, to start a lot, to get a lot of chances. You're going to have guys maybe feel they have to prove something. And that's why I think it was such a good point about what you talked about with our signings in the past and how we didn't necessarily go for them, how Trossard would make sense. We signed guys that still had something to prove. We didn't just sign guys that are world-class potential and we hear that thing thrown around all the time because and we've, we've seen now with enough of these world-class potential signings that they don't actually pan out because development is a non-linear process in many ways just like progress is non-linear so i think if potter can find a way by the before the end of the season to tactically get us to where we still have a pretty overall direct way of playing offensively but as well as trying to find a formation and role for players within that to counter a little bit whenever we're in transitional states. I think that's going to be the key. How do we establish a bit more control, but retain attacking possession as well as how do we bring in guys that are going to have something to prove um, and get rid of some of the players like the Hobbertses. I think he has to go. 
Ballistic probably has to go. Ziek has to go. I mean, there's just a lot of players that don't fit the mold. And defensively, we know we cannot continue to just put 38-year-old Silva out there eat every match. It's going to just abuse the guy. Um, so I think you guys make a lot of great points. We do have a lot to improve upon going forward. However, we have seen some signs of encouragement. Today is a big blip on the radar. And going forward, today is something we have to keep in mind of how do we prevent this from happening, especially when we go up against better sides, which if you haven't looked at the schedule, that's all that we have remaining before the World Cup. So with that, um, concludes another great episode of the Balanced Blues Brothers podcast. Helgi, thanks a lot for joining us. It's been a great discussion. I think that, you know, kind of your perspective on the Tuchel Potter dynamic was really good for this episode, considering that, you know, how we play under Potter is much different. And we saw being ripped apart, whereas Tuchel was more defensive and not attacking and how we saw limitations. So I think that today really fit the theme with bringing those things up and keeping it balanced. But thanks again for coming on, Helgi. Can't wait to have you on again. But for everybody else out there listening, keep the blue flag flying high.